What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And he swings. Hits it high. And deep. And gone. Still going. And welcome back to the call-up. Major League Baseball is back. I can't introduce myself yet because that is the first thing I need to talk about. It's more important than anything else I can say right now. I am recording on a Thursday and Major League Baseball is back. I am so excited because not too long ago, I was recording an episode about which prospects are impacted by the 40-man rosters and because of the fact of the lockout, right? Being on the 40-man roster, which prospects will be impacted by that? Well, throw all that away. I'm happy to say that that episode no longer matters. I mean, it's great to know which prospects, I guess, are on the 40-man if you're into that kind of thing, but who cares? Who cares? It's the only time I'm ever going to tell you that. Who cares about that episode? Because today we are going to be talking about the prospects who can crack opening day rosters now. So the exact opposite of what that previous episode was. A lot of those guys may be able to crack opening day rosters this year. I'm R.M. Layton. I'm the editor at JustBaseball.com as well as a prospect writer and analyst. And in today's episode, we are talking about prospects who can crack that opening day roster, which is so, so exciting. I apologize for not having a player interview this week. It's just been crazy. Actually, the prospect that we were going to have on, who is a top 100 guy, a guy that I think you'll really be excited to hear from, who we will have on, uh, had to deal with all of the implications of everything going on right now and was kind of ready. And there had been some rumblings that a deal was getting closer and he was pretty much getting ready to pack his bags and go out to Arizona. So I I didn't really want to rush it and try to pressure into an interview. We'll be able to get good interviews and we'll make it happen. So I apologize for not having that prospect episode on Wednesday. Uh, There might be a few weeks here and there where we just don't, not able to get that prospect or something falls through a last minute shuffle. And the problem is, you know, you have somebody scheduled. I'm not going to schedule a backup interview because that's just disrespectful in nature. And also uh, if it's a last minute, 
minute cancellation, it's usually hard to get another player on short notice. So from time to time, there will be some uh, days where we might not have a prospect interview on Wednesday, but generally I'll throw in a different episode where I'll talk about something else in the prospect world. You can expect a prospect interview for next Wednesday, though, because uh, we should have a very comfortable situation now for some of the 40-man prospects. They'll be settled in to camp uh, wherever they have to go. And a lot of the guys that have lined up for the future weeks whenever it works best for them are guys that were on the 40-man. And uh, I realize I could probably just spoil it anyways, but just to get you excited, uh, MJ Melendez will be coming on the show at some point in the next week or so. So you have that to look forward to, catching prospects with the Kansas City Royals, who was just phenomenal last year. I mean, to lead the minor leagues in home runs as a catcher and to make the amount of contact that he made cut his strikeout rate in half. I mean, I cannot wait to talk to MJ about those adjustments. So keep an eye out for that in the coming week or so. Uh, Sorry again that we couldn't make it happen this week, but definitely looking forward to that and a lot more exciting interviews in the future. But let's talk about some of these prospects who could be cracking the opening day roster at the major league level. And we'll see how service time manipulation plays into all of this. But even some of the guys that may have their service time manipulated, they kind of fit in the same bucket here because if you are able to come up several weeks into the season and crack a major league lineup, then you are probably capable of doing it a couple weeks prior. So those are all going to be the candidates that I am looking at here. And as we continue to flesh out, I'm about a few days away from finalizing our top 100 prospects list for JustBaseball.com. As we continue to flesh that out, a lot of those names, a lot of those names at the top are guys that I think will be up either really early in the season or right away. And there's some obvious ones, of course. So I'm going to go kind of quickly through the Bobby Witts and the Adley Rutschmans of the world, right? Because I mean, I, that's not it. You're not listening to, to learn more about how Bobby Witt could be in the big leagues next year. I think we all agree uh, that Bobby Witt is darn near. Uh, he was darn near ready last year uh, to get called up to the big league. Same with Julio Rodriguez, same with Adley Rutschman. So those are not the guys I want to focus on as much. Some of the other prospects that I think may not be discussed or viewed as much as somebody that can make an impact at a big league level as soon as opening day or shortly after. So I'll fly through the main names here. Nothing of major surprise that Adley Rutschman should be up from day one. We'll see if that's the case, but he's already 24 years old. No need to waste any more time with Adley. Bobby Witt's 21. I do think he's going to have a little bit of a learning curve just because of his aggressive approach and a little bit of swing and miss in his game. He's still going to have such quality of contact. His defense will play, whether it's at short, whether it's at third for the Royals. His speed will translate as well, uh, and the power will translate. I think it's just going to be the consistency there and drawing walks and getting on base, which I think is going to take a little bit of time, but that's not totally what we're talking about. We're really just saying who's going to be up there. Same with Julio Rodriguez, though. I could see J-Rod probably starting the year in the minor leagues just because, I mean, we already saw in the past how the Mariners were with Kalanick. And despite his struggles, because I know that nobody expected Kalanick to struggle at the big league level, that was not why the Mariners were keeping Kalanick in the minor leagues for that extended period of time. And they were even exposed on a Zoom conference uh, for literally saying that they were going to keep him down there. So I think it's a little bit of a clue in that. I mean, the Mariners just don't need to have Julio up right away because he is a guy that only played 46 games at the double A level. He is ready. 
he is 100% ready. Uh, I think he's more than showed that. His minor league numbers rival Wander Franco's. Uh, it, it's really that much contact, that high of a batting average. I would say even a little bit more power. He took his game to another level after getting called up to AA last year where he hit 362, 461, 546 in 46 games, but only 46 games in the upper levels. I imagine he's going to spend a good deal of the beginning of the season in AAA uh, before they call him up. So that's actually not a name that I'm expecting as much to to be up there and, and playing as much. So if I had accidentally said that earlier, I don't remember if I did. Not a name that I'm expecting to be up there from the get-go. And he might actually be a little bit further behind, even the Spencer Torkelsons of the world. It should be interesting to see Riley Green versus J-Rod. I think Green could even beat J-Rod. The only difference is that... The Mariners are more keen on winning right now. I think the Tigers have shown that they want to go get some dubs. That was implied by the acquisition or the signing of Erod, Eduardo Rodriguez, as well as Javier Baez. And they have a surprisingly talented team. I think it's very underrated. Heimer Condelario, Akil Badu. The pitching staff is young and interesting. They definitely have pieces, but I don't think they have that urgency. Whereas the Mariners, you know, they won 90 games last year. They already spent a pretty penny to get Robbie Ray. Uh, They already made a trade for Adam Frazier. I don't think they're done either. So it'll depend on what we see there. But I would almost bet that Riley Green would beat him, especially because Riley Green's already showed success at the AAA level, though he does come with a little bit more swing and miss. Uh, And Spencer Torkelson would be ready to go from the beginning of the season. He literally could start opening day in the middle of that lineup, and I think he'll be just fine. Uh, O'Neal Cruz is a guy that's already debuted. He should be up there for opening day and should be one of the best bats in the lineup from the jump, other than Brian Reynolds. And I think Brian Hayes is going to have a big breakout, or not breakout, I guess resurgence back to what he was in that abbreviated rookie season. He was so, so good. I think he hit 370 in those 26 games, small sample size. But also, I think people are really, uh, if you are putting any weight on the struggles of Brian Hayes last year, I, I think you are a bit mistaken just because I don't know if people are really considering the fact that Brian Hayes was dealing with a hand and wrist injury, and that really hampers your swing. And even when you're good to play on the field, it nags you. So I know he's not a prospect, but that's a guy that recently was with his defense at third, with the bat to ball skills that he showed after getting called up to the big leagues and the burgeoning power. I am really excited about what they have going on over there. I mean, there's some exciting young prospects that are making their way up to the big league level for the Pirates. Uh, going through again the top of these this top prospect list where we could see some other guys break through, I think an interesting case is Gabriel Moreno, another prospect who is definitely polished enough with the bat to probably crack the opening day roster for the Jays, but they don't necessarily need him to. He only played 40-something games last year in AA due to that thumb injury, then came back at the end of the season, went to the Fall League, and just did what he always does, which is mash. Uh, What's interesting about the Blue Jays situation is, uh, from what I am hearing from some pretty good sources, the Jays are going to be busy on the other side. The second this thing gets ratified, it's probably been ratified by the time you're listening to this, the Jays are looking to make almost any kind of move. Like, I would not be shocked. That's all I'll say on this. 
I would not be shocked with almost any kind of move that the Jays will make. I'll say that. Not just the catchers. They could make a different move as well uh, from their big league roster to shuffle things around a little bit. They are really, really keen on being the best team in the AL East, and they had a lot of discussions going on prior to the lockout. So I wonder what they're going to do with the catching position. Alejandro Kirk is a great hitter. Uh, He is a little bit limited defensively, especially with his build. He doesn't move quite as well as he should. Danny Jansen was great at the end of last year. I wonder if Kirk is someone that might be expendable for them. If that's the case, then my perspective on Moreno changes. They might be more aggressive in promoting Moreno. He's a guy that could make that jump, but I would assume that they want to get Moreno a little bit more experience on the defensive side in the minor leagues. I like Moreno's ability to receive, but I think there's some little things that he can shore up behind the dish. And in the meantime, they can kind of figure out what they're going to do with Kirk Jansen and that whole situation there because it is crowded. But on the flip side... I think that you could put Kirk at the DH spot, and and he's a pretty darn good one. I'd like a little bit more power out of the DH, but he'd be a pretty darn good DH there with the rotation of catchers. So they could go a lot of different directions. But I, with with my best guess, I'm going to say that Moreno will start the season uh, in AAA and then have an opportunity shortly after that. Unfortunately, Josh Young injured. He's a guy that I was pushing for to potentially be ready out of the gate, and that's a team that the Rangers are trying to do it now. Uh, So that was a situation that seemed clear as day. Like Josh Young already proved that he has the bat-to-ball skills, had the developed defense, and also the power started to really show. That was a guy that I was expecting to be up uh, as early as opening day. Now that shoulder injury is going to pretty much take him out for the majority of the season. You, of course, know that Shane Boz is going to be up there. That guy threw a postseason game last year. Roanzi Contreras already sniffed the big leagues last year with the Pirates. That's another guy that, one, I think is a huge dark horse, but two, I think could be at the number two spot, three spot in that rotation right away and be one of their best arms. He is so electric, came over from the Yankees in that Jamison Tyone trade. The really interesting one is C.J. Abrams, but given the injury he had and the situation that the Padres have with their infield right now, I think that the Padres are going to want to see Abrams play a little bit more all over, see him at second base, see him at short more. I, I was really sold on what I saw in the improvements defensively at short when I did a dive into the video, but how about seeing him a little bit more in center because you don't know who's going to go down, and, and I hate saying that injuries are going to happen, but it's inevitable. In a 162-game marathon, which I I can't believe we have 162. That is so great. Uh, But with extra doubleheaders as well, there's going to be injuries, right? And you don't know where they're going to happen. And Abrams is a guy that has the bat-to-ball skills. I'd like to see him get more ABs. His double-A stint was cut short. He had a super aggressive assignment up to double-A, though, and held his own. And that's somebody that... Could play second, could play short, could play center. So I'm assuming they're going to want to get him a little bit more run defensively, see where he excels. I really liked his defense at short, though. I was really impressed with the developments that he's made there. So that is another guy to watch. Luis Camposano, that's another interesting one because he was rushed with the Padres behind the dish. They brought him up when Austin Nola just couldn't stay healthy. And he just was not big league ready. It wasn't fair to him. He was pinch hitting in a lot of spots. He was starting in tough spots. And you could just tell he was overmatched. He went back down to AAA and was fantastic. Well, currently, the Padres have Victor Caratini. They have Nola. And they also went out and traded for Jorge Alfaro. This kind of tells me that they're a bit skeptical on Camposano. I don't think they're skeptical on Camposano, the player. I think they're skeptical on Camposano's makeup and how he's going to fit into the big league equation. They got to see that a little bit already, and I think beyond just the struggles, there are some makeup questions 
the acquisition of Jorge Alfaro is an interesting one to me. And it, it kind of tells me that Camposano, still just 23 years old, may be starting the year in AAA. Or, you know what? He, he could get traded. I wouldn't be shocked. But given the catching situation for the Padres right now, I'd assume they want to hold on and wait a bit longer to make that decision. And that would be best done in AAA probably right now uh, for the Padres and Luis Camposano. On the Royals side, two guys that have no business spending another minute in AAA, Nick Prado and the aforementioned MJ Melendez. Those guys combined for more than 70 home runs. Those guys are as good as it gets in terms of quality of contact. They both walk a ton. Uh, Nick Prado is a gold glove caliber defensive first baseman. That lineup for the Royals needs power. Both those guys should be up. I mean, you should have all three up. You should have Whit Melendez and Prado up. And think about the amount of power that you would be adding to your lineup there. I mean, it would be ridiculous. Those guys combined for 110. 110 home runs last year. So those guys belong up there. Alec Thomas is one of my dark horses for Rookie of the Year. I've talked about the cards that I'm picking up of his. Arizona Diamondbacks, that's another name that, look, the Diamondbacks, they stink. I'll be honest, they stink. But they've got some exciting prospects coming up. Corbin Carroll is delayed because of that injury last year, but I think he gets the nod in double A right away. Alec Thomas should be up at the big league level from the get-go. I picked up his cards for that reason, and I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the other cards that I'm investing in now that the 40-man roster situation is not a big one, uh, not going to be a problem for prospects. But I mean, Alec Thomas was so good last year, took his game up to another notch in AAA, and oh my gosh, I mean, he, he makes a lot of contact. He's a doubles guy, so when he's in a hitter's environment, that power ticks up another notch. And when he was in AAA, 34 games, eight home runs, 369, 434, 658 slash line. That's dumb. That's absolutely dumb. He's ready to go at the big league level. Let's not waste any more time. I've talked about Jeremy Pena, so I don't want to waste any more time on our end here. I think he belongs at the starting shortstop position for the Astros as soon as possible, even though his AAA season was only cut to 30 games. He has shown more than enough uh, on the backfields and in instructs. And, and I think the, the Astros, generally, I wouldn't be buying that. I would want to see a bit more. But... I'm really buying it with Jeremy Pena, especially with the glove and the power that he brings. He doesn't even need to be that great of a hitter in the batting average department. That lineup is so good that in his rookie season, if he hits 230 with 25 jacks, which I really think he could do easily in the Crawford boxes in Houston with the elite defense that he can play, that's more than fine. He also brings speed to the table as well. I think that's a fair expectation of him, and I think he can do it. A shoe that I think is going to drop that I've talked about in the past is Kevin Kiermaier getting traded. That would open up the door for Josh Lowe. Uh, what does that mean for Vidal Brujan? Vidal Brujan's a name that I think could get dealt. He's big league ready. I'm not sure there's much else he needs to prove in AAA, but I don't see where he fits into the big league equation right now. So I actually expect Brujan to start the year in AAA and either wait for an injury or they trade him. I, I really see that as a possibility, but I could be wrong there. The Rays are a little bit more difficult to predict. You look at Stephen Kwan in the outfield for the Guardians. We just talked about him when we went down the Guardian system earlier in the week. That's a guy that should be the opening day center fielder. I know that they have Miles Straw out there, but Kwan can be just as good defensively, maybe a tick below what Miles Straw does because of how elite Straw is, but he has way more offensive upside, does Stephen Kwan. That's a name that I would be expecting to be a dark horse for the rookie of the year as well and should, without a doubt, be up there. He has nothing, nothing left to prove. He literally didn't swing and miss at all in AAA. I don't know if there's anything else we need to see from him. 
Max Meyer is a name I get asked about a lot. And here's the thing with Max Meyer with the Marlins is there's a mixed bag on him in terms of, of where he's at as a prospect. What you can't deny is the results. He went straight to double A for his professional debut and carved, absolutely carved, and was one of the ERA leaders in all of the upper minors, went up to triple A for a couple starts and was even better there. The question is the third pitch. I personally went down and I wrote about it on JustBaseball.com. I was actually really encouraged by the development of his changeup over his last couple starts. I don't think it's a coincidence that after those starts, or during those starts, I should say, he was not walking as many guys and he had a lot more swing and miss. He mixed in the changeup and the fastball played up as a result. The issue before was it was just fastball slider. Fastball is good, but it's not great. And guys were just sitting on the fastball and just spitting on the slider. They, they still weren't able to hit him well. He just wasn't putting up the ridiculous swing and miss figures on the heater that I think people were expecting. I think there's a good chance Meyer gets dealt. I mean, that's that's a name that was floated in a lot of different deals. He was There was negotiations for Brian Reynolds, and Meyer was the centerpiece with the Pirates. So if Meyer is dealt, we could see him up at the big league level. But if he is not dealt, we will not see him at the big league level early in the season. The Marlins rotation is filled out. They got to figure out exactly what they're going to do. Edward Cabrera is going to be up there first. And they can say Meyer needs some more starts in AAA to keep ironing out that changeup. If Meyer sticks with the Marlins and assuming nobody's hurt in the rotation and the rotation is intact, where I actually see Max Meyer sliding in if the Marlins uh, do bring him up is, is as a reliever. That's not to say that he is a reliever long term. I just think if the Marlins bring him up this year, and it's not because there's an injury to the rotation. I don't see who he's displacing in the rotation of you got the Youngins, Edward Cabrera, Jesus Lazardo. I know they want to see everything out of. I know you can make the case for Meyer over Lazardo, but you might as well see what you got with Lazardo now as they continue to develop him. And then you've got Sandy Alcantara, you got Trevor Rogers, you got Pablo Lopez, and you've got Eliezer Hernandez. So that's already six guys there. So it's going to be a bit tight. Uh, if the Marlins are going to try to find a way uh, to get Meyer into the rotation without an injury, I'm expecting him to either get called up as a reliever or to get traded. And I would actually lean towards him getting traded. I'm expecting the Marlins to make a move there. Another similar profile that I think could either get traded or get brought up into the bullpen is Matt Brash of the Seattle Mariners. I think Matt Brash can be a starter. There's some reliever risk. There's some injury history. If he's a reliever, he could actually be one of the more lights-out closers in baseball. I still want to see Brash as a starter, uh, but we'll have to see how the Mariners' rotation shakes out. I assume they'd probably want to see George Kirby up, but we could see either guy go. They were kicking the tires. Was Jerry Depoto on potentially bringing up Brash last year uh, as a reliever down the stretch to kind of help them make that run? I think Brandon Williamson is also a guy that is is pretty pretty far along in his progression. Uh, I think both of those guys start the year in the minors still, and I would argue that it's going to be a race between the two of them. I'd probably like to see Williamson first. I see a little bit more pitchability out of Williamson at this point, and another lefty to put into that rotation, though, is interesting because they added Robbie Ray. They have Marco Gonzalez, so it should be interesting. I think it'll be a race between those two guys, but I think both stick in the minor leagues to start the year, and I could see one of the two getting dealt as well because I'm expecting the Mariners to be aggressive too. Not to mention... George Kirby of the Mariners as well might end up being the guy that gets the first look uh, of all of them. He's got the best command, not quite the stuff of the other two guys in terms of the secondaries, but the secondaries have improved. He's got some of the best command in the minor leagues and he throws 100. So George Kirby could be the name that we see up first. And that's a name that might even have a shot to break camp if he really performs 
in spring training. A few more names before I get into some of the cards that I am investing in as a result or that have nothing to do with the lockout, but one guy does, one guy doesn't, but a few other names before we get onto that. Austin Martin is getting close. He's getting close, but he's just not there yet. I think he could be. I think he would hold his own, but I think there's a situation here where the Twins, they just acquired him. He still doesn't have a defensive home. Shortstop doesn't seem to be in the cards for him. He could play third, but the bat doesn't profile there. I think he can play center. I think that's where he sticks. So he probably needs more reps out there in center. And I think the Twins want to see a bit more of that. Or are they just going to relegate him to second? They're going to need more time to figure that out. And it's exactly what I think is going to happen there. For the Atlanta Braves, you've got a few prospects. You've got Christian Pache, you've got Drew Waters, and you've got Shea Langliers. I'll start with Pache. He's going to get more looks at the big league level, especially if Acuna is a bit behind schedule. I'm not sure what the latest is on him and, and his return. I'm not a big Pache believer. The glove definitely profiles. I mean, he's an elite defender and center, but I don't believe in the bat at all. He'll get some looks this year. He might get. He might be on the opening day roster. He's already had multiple stints at the big league level. Drew Waters has a lot to work out, so he should stay in the minor leagues for a good portion of this season until he proves something. Langliers, he was wonderful in AA last year, but with Travis Darno up there right now, I don't know if there's any rush. They probably want to get him some more reps. Shea Langliers in AAA. He's 24, uh, but I'm expecting him to be up by about mid-season. A few other names real quick. If Jose Miranda is not on the opening day roster for the Twins, I will absolutely riot. Jose Miranda does not need to prove anything else. He's going to be 24 in four months, so like, let's get this guy going already. And he was just ridiculous at every level last year. And at AAA, I think he really just put the cherry on top. Only struck out 13% of the time and homered 17 times in 80 games. Got on base at a 400 clip. That guy should have been up last year. Should have been up at the end of last year. He wasn't. Let's see him up now. Uh, that is just, to me, uh, not even a question as to whether he should be up or not. Very much looking forward to seeing him get involved there with an interesting and developing team in the Twins. they got to figure out the pitching side of things, though. And Jordan Balazovich is still probably a little bit further off. But Matt Canarino is a name that I would watch to potentially be able to break camp with the Twins. I assume the Cubs don't want to rush Brennan Davis just yet. There's a chance that he might get an opportunity in spring training to try to win a job. He took his game to another level in AAA as well. Cut the strikeouts down, upped the walk rate, but it was just 15 games. It was really impressive, though, to see him dominate high A, start slow in double A, then really hit his stride, and then just continue that stride into triple A. I don't really know what the Cubs are doing right now anyways. It sounds like they're trying to add pieces and be competitive. It's a little bit weird. Given the limitations that he has right now, Brendan Davis against changeups, lefty changeups especially, really gave him fits. I assume they want to get him a little bit more, uh, a little bit more experience, more ABs under his belt. At the end of the day, missing 2020 was big because 2019 was his uh, first real full professional season where he only played 50 games there after battling injury. So he's pretty far behind in terms of reps. He's never had a season with more than 312 at-bats, so I assume the Cubs are going to want to get him a little bit more run uh, in AAA, but it shouldn't be long before he gets a chance to come up, and that's probably one of those prospects that's really going to galvanize the Chicago Cubs and the Wrigley faithful over there, so very much looking forward to that debut. I just think it's going to be a little bit of a wait. The last guy that I think could actually break camp right away because it's for a team that is trying to win right now and almost snuck into the 
NLDS last year, which is the St. Louis Cardinals and Matthew Libertor. Libertor banged that slow curveball that I think just was one of the most overrated pitches I've ever seen. It looks really good, right? It's beautiful. It breaks so much, but it's so slow. It wasn't effective. Hitters either laid off it or they sat on it and crushed it. It just wasn't a good pitch for him. He instead started going to the slider more, which is harder, more firm, tunnels better with his fastball, and all of a sudden, he was much more effective. He also started going to a two-seamer more. So it was two-seamer slider, which is a great overlay. Opposite actions. Got more ground balls and also got more weak contact and swings and misses. So he figured out his repertoire. He finished really strong. And I think for a team that really still needs pitching help, Matthew Libertor could be up as soon as opening day and be, you know, he's not going to be the open day starter, obviously, but he could be that third or fourth guy in the rotation and be a nice lefty alongside Steven Matz. On to the final segment of the podcast, which is our Collector's Digest brought to you by eBay. Here's a few of the cards that I am looking at that I've been scooping up as of late. And I'm actually going to be going to a card show in a couple weeks where I'm going to be looking at some of these. I'm going to be targeting some O'Neill Cruz. I'll tell you that. And O'Neill Cruz's first Bowman is a bit hard to find. And ironically, it's, it's a cool card because it's a great reminder of where he started. O'Neill Cruz was a cheap international free agent that was signed by the Dodgers, and it's a 2016 card. The auto is already getting expensive. I still think that given his upside and given how good he can be, I've talked about how just violent he is with his swing in terms of exit velos. He was up as high as anybody in the major leagues. He was up there in a conversation with really only him and Stanton, putting up more 120 plus, or 118 pluses in terms of exit velos than Aaron Judge and Shohei Otani. Uh, that, that's just crazy. That's absolutely crazy. O'Neill Cruz is going to be a stud. I don't think it's a shortstop. I'm, I'm, I think they're going to try. And it's going to be interesting. He's athletic enough, though. Like, he can make it work. I think there's going to be some limitations there. But he has such a ridiculous arm. He's so interesting at six foot seven. I love the uniqueness of him. And I think that's somebody that people are going to look to target and collect. His Bowman Chrome Auto ungraded is about $130. So I can understand that's steep. But for guys that I think are still undervalued, but their price is already steep, I'll just get their Bowman Chrome base card. It's his first Bowman Chrome. You can get it for $20 ungraded. And I'm scooping up a bunch of those. You can buy them in lots. Some people sell them in lots. So I could buy 10 of them for maybe $150. Like that's what I'm looking for and that and that's what I'm trying to do and I'm scooping them up because I think there's legit 45 home run power here and the big question was will he hit enough? He has found a way to control his long levers. He's found a way to repeat his swing so well and really just effortlessly be short to the ball despite being so long and having a power forwards build. I'm scooping this guy up because he's going to have those kinds of home runs that you see on the highlight reels over and over and over again because of how unique he is, how cool his just, I would just say profile is. You don't see six foot seven infielders, shortstops uh, in the game that can hit the way he does. Look out for this guy. And he's got special prolific home run power. I'm scooping up his cards in bunches right now. If you want another prolific home run potential prospect here that maybe a little bit further off, he's pretty close though, and I think there's a case to be made for this guy to be getting DHABs for the New York Mets, but as we know, they want stars everywhere. Mark Vientos of the Mets system is just special. The kid hit 25 home runs last year between double A and triple A, but that doesn't even tell the whole story. He walked a good deal, and the question for Mark Vientos who was a second-round pick out of the powerhouse in South Florida in American Heritage, 
I mean, the question with him was really, will he be able to hit enough? And that was a little bit of a murky, I guess the, the answer was a bit murky in 2019, where as a 19-year-old, though, remember, he was, in, he was one of the youngest players in the draft, drafted at 17 years old. But as a 19-year-old in low A, only walked 5% of the time, struck out 24% of the time. There was an aggressive approach. We did see the power a little bit with 12 home runs and 111 games for a teenager. But there was just that question of, will the approach ever translate? Well, he comes out in 2021 much more tempered, much more relaxed, and the power was still just ridiculous. Not as aggressive, took his walks, more than doubled his walk rate, which I think is a great thing to see. The strikeout rate stayed in check at about 28%, which is fine because his quality of contact is so crazy. And I'm not that worried about the swing and miss. It's more because he's comfortable getting deeper into counts and being more patient. He was ridiculous against fastballs 95 miles an hour and up, which is something that's important to look at because that's where a majority of the strikeouts are coming in the major leagues is elevated velocity. And Vientos had a 1,400 OPS against fastballs 95 and above. Nobody was throwing him heaters. But the thing was, his OPS was fine. 780 against breaking balls. He can hit everything. He also was able to hit baseballs that I thought they look like routine pop-ups in terms of trajectory off of his bat, and they would sail out of the yard and right. I talked to guys who have faced him and played with him. They all said, I've never seen somebody that hits a ball that I assume has no chance of getting out and just gets out of there like it has some sort of uh, just tailwind behind it, but it didn't. That's the kind of power that he has. I've tweeted out some of those videos. I think you can see one of them uh, on our write-up at JustBaseball.com on the Mets system where he just hits one straight up in the air and it somehow gets out the other way. Vientos is really, really exciting and has another guy that has 40 home run potential and a much more developed feel to hit. Look at Vientos also from this lens. He still only just turned 22 years old two months ago and has already had success at the AAA level. He is a special piece for the Mets here, and he's a lot cheaper than O'Neill Cruz. Vientos, you can get his ungraded, autographed Bowman Chrome Auto card for about $35 to $40. You can get his PSA 10 autographed card for about $140. His base card, you could probably get for five bucks. Like this is a steal because this is somebody that could actually be one of the more exciting power hitters in the game. He has that kind of upside. There's some risk, but with how cheap the cards are, I think it is still worth the risk with what he's already been able to show. And I don't think he has as risky as a profile as it looks like on the outside, because a lot of the metrics I look at on the inside seem to point towards him being that guy that can make enough quality of contact to really just be a legit big league power bat. I really believe it, and the swing mechanics all back it up. I'm big time into Mark Vientos. Those are two cards, two players that I'm investing in big time and very excited for this year. They might combine for like 70 home runs at the big league level if they got full run. It won't happen because Vientos probably won't get a run right away from day one in the season, but you never know because if he puts on a show in spring training now, there is an opportunity for him there at the DH spot. I wouldn't want Dom Smith there. I think he's got more upside than J.D. Davis offensively. And this is an interesting situation. So I'm eager to see how the Mets handle it. But even if I have to wait a year before Vientos is getting full-time play at the big league level, I'm happy to do that because his cards are so cheap. So definitely check those all out on eBay. I'm looking at one right now that just sold on eBay, a PSA 10 for 140 and also a, a lot of two. So two Bowman Chromatos ungraded for $79. So you can get some steals up there on eBay and two prospects I really, really like. You know what else I like? The fact that baseball is back. And please follow along with everything at JustBaseball.com. Yes, we have the top 100 list coming. Yes, we have tons of prospect coverage. But we're going to have a lot of up-to-date 
coverage on free agency, on all of the moves, potential trades. I'll be talking about trades on here with the prospect returns as well, but check out everything we have going on at JustBaseball.com. I think you'll really enjoy the coverage there, and I'm very excited about what we have going on there on the editorial side. As always, thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking prospects with you on Monday. Happy baseball season, everybody. 